listening to Astro Detectives, where longtime friends Scott and Sarah try to debunk or prove the ancient phenomenon of astrology. I'm Sarah Hartshorn, the astrologer. And I'm Scott Randall, the skeptic. Each episode, I'll give Sarah two birth charts, one belonging to our guest and one that I made up. She'll use astrology to try to match the right chart to our guest. A birth chart is a snapshot of the sky when a person is born. It reveals an incredible amount of information about a person. Enough to match a person to the right chart? We'll see. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Astro Detectives. We hope you all enjoyed our our retraced episode last week with our good friend Andrew recapping the last... 20 weeks and yeah. uh I, can you believe I, it <laughs> i know i had an especially good time on that episode uh, i did the, too yeah, yeah andrew's always great in the magic of podcasting we have not actually recorded that episode yet but we <laughs> but know we know. <laughs> we know it's going to be good and it's coming out one week before this one does <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so oh. we have another guest coming up but our funnest addition to the show has been the guest astrologer. Sarah, can you tell us who we have this week and why you're excited to have this added help? Oh my gosh. I am so excited that we have Mindy joining us. And she is a professional astrologer who's been um, practicing astrology for 40 years. I think you said, Mindy, is that right? Yeah. Well, I've been professionally practicing for 35, but I've been studying, you know, for 40. Okay, Otherwise great. I would have become really young. So that's awesome. And you're from Sedona, Arizona, a beautiful town. From, yeah. Is it magical? Just like, I want to believe it is. <laughs> it is, but it's a, I mean, it's a small town. So it, you know, it's like being in high school and it is magical at the same time. <laughs> so awesome. I'll have to get out there someday. I just want to let the audience know, uh, I have the flu, but guess what? I'm showing up anyway. So I'm going to participate as much as I can, but I feel very, uh, safe and secure with, uh, Mindy here. So I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> And Mindy was even speaking to maybe this is going to work in your favor, Sarah, because yeah. it's not you're not going to be using your head too much to maybe overthink <laughs> or second guess your gut reaction. It's it's operating at 10 percent right now. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Well, then I'm impressed you even got on the Zoom call. I wouldn't miss it. I don't want to make everyone reschedule. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not a competition, but I may have COVID. Who knows? Oh, Who cool. knows? I haven't tested yet, but my <laughs> girlfriend came down with COVID two days ago. <laughs> and, oh, boy. Uh, I, I am going to test tonight after we're finished recording. And stay tuned, because next week we'll let you know the results of that COVID test. <laughs> okay. Anything to keep the listeners engaged. All right. So we have two charts um, that you guys have been studying for couple days at least now. And one of those charts, one of those birth charts belongs to our guest. I thought at the top, maybe I should mention the big three of each, just so the listener who isn't looking at the case files, although they can go to astrodetectivespod.com and download the PDF with both of these charts, with a questionnaire that the guest has filled out. And also, what else is on there? There's something else. What is 
Huh? <laughs> I feel like there's a third piece of information on the in the, oh, case, in the files. case files. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've got the keywords. We've got oh, all... the keywords. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the keywords are in there. Um, but the, all the you charts, astrologers, yeah. you astrologers out there, you're welcome to disagree with the keywords and come up with your own. Yes, and uh, come up to your own conclusion. Um, but in this you, case, we got chart A and B. Chart A is a Capricorn with a Scorpio moon, Gemini rising. Chart B is a Libra with an Aries moon and a Pisces rising. Sarah, are you proud of me for doing that? I'm super proud. Like the last few, you've been getting charts that feel very different from each other. And I feel a lot better now. So thank you. I I appreciate you so much, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant just reading it, just getting through. I, oh. sound, I felt like I, I sounded like... As close to an astrologer as I have so far, just yes. listing the big three of these two charts. Yes, we're slowly getting, we're slowly getting to you. You're turning into astrologer slowly. <laughs> <laughs> the astrologer who can learn the language, but still doesn't think it's more than a language. That'll be me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking the talk. Yes, you do. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit about these two, um, and you're welcome to chime in, Mindy, on you guys have been working together on these. What similarities did you notice that these two characters have in common? And then we'll get into the differences. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just start and I'll let Mindy elaborate, but um, both of these charts have their son in the eighth house and in a cardinal sign. And cardinal means um, it has to do with the seasons. Uh, cardinal is when the season begins. So people who have cardinal, a lot of cardinal energy can be very assertive, self-starting, initiating, things like that. So that's kind of, and, and so because they have those things in common, they also have the rising sign, an immutable sign, which is when the seasons change. And so this person might have some initiating energy, but they also have when they show up, they might come across very like adaptable, go with the flow, um, things like that. But yeah, I'll let Mindy elaborate. Well, and what I wanted to add is actually both of the charts um, have a mutable rising sign. So there's a similarity in how they show up. In fact, all of their angles are immutable signs. Um, and then the other thing I noticed is even though one is an Aries moon and the other is a Scorpio moon, both of those moons are ruled by Mars. Right. So they function somewhat differently, but there's a commonality between them. Because Mars. Cardinal. Yeah, with Mars. I mean, one is, you know, Aries is cardinal and Scorpio is fixed, but they're still Mars ruled. So Mars is going to be a driver with that moon. And Which, so what does that mean for the lay person? Yeah. Because everybody be sure and tune in to the debrief episode in two days for like the very detailed astrologer who knows what that means. But for the listener like me, what does that mean personality wise? Well, right. Ma Ma I was just going to say Mars is really passionate and fiery and it's very active and um, yeah, very willful. And so this person um, the moon represents their emotions, their inner self. And so um, with a Mars ruled moon, it, there could be some fiery emotions. I guess that's just my surface level interpretation, but you, you add on to that, Mindy. Well, no, I think that's great. And I, you know, Mars 
penetrates into things. It, it rules things like surgery. It cuts. And um, it likes to be in motion. Um, even though, again, that because we've got two different signs here, that could be, and in two different houses, that can be expressed differently. Um, but that is a similarity. So, you know, that is one of the things beyond the house placement of the sun that occurred to me right off that, you know, and the other thing I would add to how Sarah described the moon, the moon is our emotions, but it it is the core of how we respond to life. It's how we feel safe and secure. It's what we need to feel happy. It rules our body. Way back when I was a baby astrologer um, and willing to play the skeptics game, so it's ironic that I'm here. Um <laughs> Uh, guess my sign. I would always, always, always guess their sun sign wrong. And then later we'd find out that I'd guess their moon. And it's because we often act out of our moon because it's how we react instinctively. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And differences. What are these two characters? Hopefully there's a lot more that separates them so that you guys will have an easy time picking the chart for this guest. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what you picked up, Mindy? Like you, you like just see these people in your head. It seems like. Oh yeah. What well, the joke? What Sarah knows, Scott. The joke was when I got I. And again, I've listened to the podcast, but I looked at the charts for a long time before I ever brought up the survey because I wanted to get an impression on my own, and they had become so real in my head. I forgot that the podcast only had one person. I kept looking for the second survey, and so. Um, and did you know which one of the two had forgotten to submit their survey? You were like, well, obviously, obviously well, I, I got the survey for this person, but I don't have one for this other person. Well, yeah, I hear you're an Aquarian also, Scott, and I'm an Aquarian too. So, you know, of course, I'll make up what I think I know about them. They're, um, so, they're, uh, it, um, it, 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 yeah, it took me a few seconds to realize. Uh, what do I think um, that's different between them? Um, well, we f felt that one you had identified was kind of a, a boss and really wanted to be in control and mm -hmm. maybe it had a soft spot for saving others. Yeah. And the other one um, we felt was more of a lover, um, maybe possibly could have some self-wounding, um, just a really kind of softer, sweet person? Well, I, I don't know sweet. It's more that the way that chart has three planets in the seventh house, there, and then there's sun against the south node in the eighth house. This is someone who can almost lose themselves in other people. Relationships become so important that they lose themselves a little bit. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And for the remainder of the episode, um, these two are going to live in isolation where we're not really referring to the specific placement at all of anything that makes okay. up these two. We're going to save that for debrief. And this is just going to be these two characters known as the lover and the boss, it looks like. Yes. And we'll be uh, trying to figure out which one our guest is. Um Areas of life where these two are especially different. We have our character. We have child experience, family, work, romantic partner, and challenges to look forward to. But what jumps out to you guys? Mm. Uh. 
Um, or we will let it unfold. Yeah, let's let it unfold. Sorry. You know, I said I had to flu. <laughs> no, like, no, no, no. Totally. Well, <laughs> I'm going to step in and I'll be in Sarah's shoes helping to make a guess. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. So we have, yeah, we have those six categories and I guess, we, you know, we'll we'll just find out as we go along. Well, That's, I think I think listening to what they have to say about their experience will sh- reveal a lot. Well, I it, guess my question is always like, do you are you guys leaning towards one or the other based on the survey alone? I think so. I think mm-hmm. we ended up was it the boss? I think is the one we feel it might be. Yeah, yeah the boss. Okay, oh, we're, oh, oh. <laughs> we don't want Scott to know. <laughs> yeah, but it's we don't okay. want to do charts because <laughs> okay. I know the correct chart. Ah. <laughs> so we're going to leave out charts and the audience too. We don't want them to know which chart it is, okay. but right now they don't know which chart can, belongs to the boss and which chart belongs. Sorry. Yeah. Which chart belongs to the boss and which chart belongs to the lover. But our guest will help fill in those details uh, right after this. And welcome back. We are here with, Sarah, who has managed to stay online even despite these symptoms from the flu. Uh, We have our guest astrologer, Mindy, with us, and we're about to be joined by our guest. And these two astrologers astrologers are going to match them to their correct birth chart. Are you ready for the challenge, astrologers? I'm ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Okay. Astro Detectives listeners, please welcome to the show, Sylvia. It's very nice to have you join us. Thank Hello. you. I'm excited to be here. It's great Hello. to see you. We're we're joined here by Sarah, our uh, host astrologer, um, and our guest astrologer this week is Mindy, and they'll be working together to see if they can match one of two birth charts that they're looking at to to you based on your answers. So. Throughout this process, you probably already know the format. Don't say anything about your sign or your birthday or even your age can tip them off. Okay. Other than, other than that, um, all questions are fair game unless you don't feel like answer, answering one. It's, in which case, totally okay to say <laughs> none of your business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, have you been in, on any podcast before? Is this a new thing for you? This is a new thing for me. I'm excited. Well, you sound good. You got the headset on. So this is like a a professional audio quality. Off to a good start. Yes. I do some YouTube and stuff. So I usually use this or when I do Zooms. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're going to kind of move through category by category. Um, We will get to work and some of that YouTube stuff. Um, But first, we like to start broad and just kind of like ask you about your character and generally like, What kind of person would you describe yourself to be? Keywords for the lover's character. Self-image wounding. Showy. Loyal. Grew up fast. Keywords for the boss's character. Witty. Social. Wordsmith. Science. In control. Wanting to save others. I am a go-getter. I tend to be... I've really, I'm passionate. I'm a passionate person. So I'll put it that way. Emotionally, I'm 
really, I would say, charged very positively and am, I'm easily, I feel deeply. So things can, um, if they hurt me, they will, if the people are close enough, it'll, it'll hurt deeply. And they don't even have to be close, actually. Um, very honest, very loyal, uh, very genuine, straightforward, kind of a what you see is what you get type of person. And um, love my family. I'm, I'm a family person, but I'm very ambitious and very driven, too. So um, sometimes I know it can seem to people like I'm more all about business or all about my what I'm wanting to do and stuff. And it's easy for them to think that I'm not, you know, family's not important, but it is very important to me. So, um, is that yeah. enough or do you want more? <laughs> well, astrologers, how does that sound? Sounds good. It sounds really good. I do have one quick question. When I, I really related to when you said that if someone hurts you, you feel it deeply. Mm-hmm. My question is, is it easy for you to let go of or does it hang around for a bit? Um, I'm growing in that, so it's getting easier for me to let go of. But it's not like a grudge type of I can't let go. It's more of... If somebody were to, if we're doing this physically, if somebody punched me, the pain doesn't leave right away. It takes a little bit of time for it to go away. Okay. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love uh, the survey. They've had a chance to look at your survey too. And those questions are always very helpful. And one of the questions is, you know, if you're working with somebody and they aren't doing their fair share, what would your response be? Mm -hmm. And so in some ways that's dealing with you know, emotions or a feeling. And in this case, you said you'd be frustrated, but you'd probably just deal with it for as long as you could. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be bothering me. It would be bothering me, but I try to keep going. Yeah. Can I ask like why, what, what makes you operate that way? What makes you not just go up and say something and where does that stem from? Um. So, okay. Why wouldn't I say something right away? Uh, it depends on how well actually I know the people. So if I'm in a new, say, team type of environment and things, I'm wanting to, I wouldn't say something right away because I feel like I'm pretty strong personality. So I kind of try to rein that in so it doesn't put people off. So that's really where that comes from, is trying to rein that in a little bit. Whereas if it's people I know really well, they know me and they'll know my heart. And so, you know, if they're still around and they know me, then they know that I'm like that. Mm-hmm. And so I know that they'll know what's what my heart is in all of it. I don't want to get read the wrong way by the people that don't know me really well. Great. Cool. Um, moving on to childhood experience. Um, can you say a few words about that? Okay. So it, can you kind of give me a little bit of a, like in what part of childhood experience? Like, well, we, cause that's vast. Oh, I know <laughs> we, well, we like to keep it broad because it's kind of like the words that kind of pop up for you in describing your childhood experience will be very helpful to the astrologers in kind of picking which chart. Whereas if I steer you and say, <gasps> tell it. me about sports in childhood or something, you know, then it's kind of like putting you in a certain mindset. So kind of okay. when I say childhood experience, you know, what does come up? 
Keywords for the lover's childhood experience. Less structured, spiritual, artistic, performance, worked young. Keywords for the boss's childhood experience. Religion, organization, clean, healthy, service, transformation, mental health. being wrapped up and going to my grandmother's house and seeing the being held and feeling the walking of where you're being held, like, and the person's walking and seeing the sun come through the trees at my grandmother's house as I was being walked to be dropped off to be taken care of for the day. Like I specifically remember it. I can remember it every time I think about it and I remember it, it's the same. Uh, so that's, that's one thing. Um, when I was two, I, this may be kind of weird, but I kind of, I believe that we have a certain amount of exit strategies when we come here to earth. And so we're offered these exit strategies. And when I was two, I had, um, they had to do exploratory surgery when my appendix had ruptured. And so, uh, they gave me a 50, 50 chance to my parents of me making it. I was two years old. And so, I remember still going to the hospital that day and the music that was on in the car when I was in the back seat. So I've got those memories. I remember wanting my parents to be there and them not being able to be there. And then um, through childhood, things that were super important to me, music. Music's always been a big, big, important part of my life. And then my dad owned a couple of record stores. So a lot of my memories are tied to songs and tied to music um, and lyrics and things like that. And so in growing up, um, my I have a brother that's five years younger than me to exact birth, same birthday, just five years different. And so I was he was favored. He's a boy. I'm a girl. I was the oldest. But in the family, my dad's the oldest of 14. He was more, he had a lot more, there was favoritism for him. Um, and so growing up, I've always, it's always seemed to be in childhood and even moving into adulthood, people either really loved me or they didn't like me. And there was not very much middle to it. So, um, I was one of my kindergarten teachers, flower child for when she got married. I, and, and we reconnected this last year after kindergarten to now, she told me, you know, you were our favorite. You were my husband and I's favorite and you used to dance and you used to sing. And, you know, I was like, wow, I still do that, you know? And so, um, so that was how I was with her, but I had teachers where I was absolutely not their favorite. And so that also happened with, with um, friends. I got skipped first grade education-wise. I was moved from first grade to second grade. Then I was in third. They wanted to move me to sixth grade. And so academics was really um, something I, I was good at. When I wasn't good at it, it wasn't because it was too challenging. It's because I wasn't happy where I was at. But... Um, you know, that's, that's kind of like my childhood. My family was a big part of it. My uncle, I was super close to, uh, and I just remember a lot of family. Most of my things are family oriented. 
from my childhood that I remember is my family. Well, a lot of memories in there. Yeah. I'm always curious that when you said like growing up and through school and stuff, people would either love you or, you know, have the opposite strong reaction. Can you think of like what it was that they were reacting to? What did people love? And then, you know, sometimes the same thing that some, that somebody loves other people don't. Um, did you like pinpoint like, okay, what's the polarizing thing here? Yeah, I think from, you know, because it, like I said, it still continues even now, like even now, even into adulthood, it's people, it's the same thing. Um, and I think that I'm very, like I said earlier, you know, what you get is what you see. And I think I was like that even as a, as a kid and speak my mind, I'm not tactless, but I'm not going to act a certain way with people that I don't feel. You know, I'm going to be and feel the way I feel. And I'm going to, I couldn't hide it if I want to. I don't have a poker face. So my feelings kind of show up on my face. If my voice doesn't say it, my face does. And so I'm, you know, as a child that I'm sure I was that way too, but I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm happy. I'm positive and I'm a happy person. And, and I, I've been told by people that get to know me later that they thought that that wasn't like completely real. Like maybe I really wasn't like that completely. And I was just kind of being more happy or more of that. I guess I hate to say this, but like kind of being more of a light and not that I don't have bad days or I can't, you know, get frustrated or angry or be in a bad mood. Cause that definitely happens. I'm human. But I think that that part of me that has a natural enthusiasm for things, that's what it is. It's a natural enthusiasm for life, a natural enthusiasm when I'm talking about something, um, you know, I speak with my hands and that's just the way I am. And for some people, I think maybe that's too much or they feel like it's not real or or something. And so I think that's where a lot of the di- the dividing happens hmm. for them. Because it sounds like you pride yourself on being authentic, and sometimes, oddly enough, people interpret that as inauthentic. Yes, or they don't want authentic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They they want the kind of superficial. I'm not good at superficial. I'm not good at, at chit chat. You know, I don't I don't do chit chat well. It's like if I'm going to talk to somebody, even if I at a party, like let's talk about something real. You know, let's talk about that, and I'm good, and I can have conversation about that. But I'm not going to be a surface chit chat person. Well, good because this is the podcast where we go deep. Yeah. (laughs) And speaking of which, let's move on to parents and tell us a little bit about your mother. All right, so. She isn't going to watch this, is she? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. I she love won't my find, mom. She, she won't find it on her own, but if you tell her, hey, mom, I was on a very <laughs> successful podcast, would you like to listen to it? Then she might hear. So, okay. But we're we're going to know. You said you don't have a poker face. We're going to know if you're not telling the truth. Right. <laughs> Keywords for the lover's mother. Complex relationship with child. Critical. Dependable, serious, strict, structured. Keywords for the boss's mother. Hard work, intense, private, uncomfortable with vulnerability. I love my mom dearly. Her birthday was the other day. Uh, So my mom uh, 
can be manipulative. Um, and so I've kind of spent my life with her being hypervigilant. Like I have to watch and I have to know what's going to happen or what is she really saying or what does she really want? And so that's kind of trained me. Like I could be one of those FBI people that can read people's body language and faces. Like I've actually been told that by a therapist, um, because I had to be. Um, so she, you know, she grew up in an alcoholic home, her dad was, and then he left. And so she had to kind of try to tell people's feelings ahead of time and try to, she does a lot of mind reading, not like where you get paid for, but she tries to tell people's feelings ahead of time. And she tries to manipulate situations and things like that. And so, um, we are really close and she is super supportive. She's the type of person who will always be there, always be my cheerleader, always have my back. She cares deeply. She's very involved. So she doesn't have good boundaries. Um, boundaries are something that are very, very difficult for her. So, um, you know, just as a quick example, my daughter, who's, um, she, she got a job and my mom asked me actually yesterday when they were visiting how much she was going to be making because it's a, it's a move. And I said, uh, that's not really my thing to share. You know, I, if you want to ask her, you can. And it offended my mom that I wouldn't tell her. She was very offended by that. So that's what I mean with boundaries. You know, she just does not, she's not familiar with them very much. Um, but and that's she funny. Did, well, I'm uh -huh. sorry. That's funny that you mentioned that you sort of can be the same way in that you're very open regardless. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Have you ever noticed that connection or how you use it for good and maybe you didn't appreciate it from her growing up? Yes. I've had to work on boundaries. Like that has been like a lifelong growth for me because I didn't grow up with it, you know? And so it's, I can understand where she comes, where she's, where she is. And I can appreciate that, but I've had to learn to try to put those boundaries up. And it's easier for me with other people than it has been with me to do it with her. Um, and so it's just been actually in the last couple of years where I've really started to put those boundaries up with my mom. Um, and it's been difficult because it's something new in our dynamic and our relationship. And so she's, she's getting better about it, but it, for uh, the first time, a couple of years where I started to really do that, it caused a lot of tension because she wasn't used to me putting up those boundaries with her and, and they're actually lower, you know, so if you imagine me putting up eight foot boundaries with people that I've learned, oh, so I'm going to put up boundaries and I put up eight feet, I'm going to have to put up four feet with her instead of an eight foot, you know, because <laughs> eight foot is just too much. <laughs> I, it's just, it's, it's not working, you know, so every year I maybe add, you know, another six inches to that, to that fence. <laughs> <laughs> While she's not looking, you're out there tinkering with the fence. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, you guys good, astrologers? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. We're gonna I thought that move... was very, very helpful. Yeah. We're going to move on to Dad now. Um, any words that jump to mind for him or just kind of your thoughts? Key words for the lover's father. May have been absent or passed away. Law, diplomacy, social. Key words for the boss's father. Business owner, government, articulate. 
Uh, uh, so with my dad, he's got, it's, he's very, um, men are higher on the, on the totem pole than, than women, even though he would never say that that's true. So he definitely, that's something that I've kind of had to work through my whole life. And, and my self-value and stuff as being a woman, seeing myself as equal to men. Um, and, and so it's something that really, now when I go back and I'm in the situation around them, it really bothers me when I see that, you know, and, and, and I'm being pushed into it. Like, get your dad his, his plate type of thing. I want to be able to do that because I want to, not because it's expected, because I'm the daughter. Or a woman. And so being fit back into that, um, he's, he's always taught me that honesty and, and hard work and those type of things are really important. Um, and so finding out that, uh, a D a 23 and me DNA thing, uh, gave a really surprising, uh, family member and I had to talk with my dad about it. And so right now he and I in the family are the only ones that know. And it's, um, it was really, it was really something because it kind of, sh it just shook my whole world in coming from somebody who had really instilled in me honesty. Like honesty is something that's high on my values. It's very high for me. It's something in relationships. It's, you know, in dealing with people, if, if there starts to be any kind of deception or lies or things like that, I very quickly start to lose respect and wanting to be in the relationship. So this was really a key time when I found this out a couple of years ago. And um, so, you know, he's he's definitely... You know, he's a hard worker. He's where I got my love for music. So I'm going to, you know, switch to the him as far as a, a he's a deep feeling person. You know, he, he has a lot of fear though. So my, so fear, fear of health and fear of the unknown is very much a part of whom, of my dad and his makeup. And that is something that uh, I grew up with. And so I'm, again, doing lots of work to kind of come away from that. And it's hard to see that, you know, I, I see that in him and I've experienced it and have to work really hard to not have that be something in, in me. And so, um, that's a, that's a big part of him. He's family's real important. He was never someone that went out with drinking with the guys or anything like that. Growing up, he was always, it was family. It's us doing things together, being, you know, my brother's sports and those kind of things. So, um, he's kind of a mix really of a lot of high values. And then he has this couple of years in his life that was a big mistake. And it, so it's just kind of flipped everything for me around. And I had to kind of you know, just imagine an earthquake coming through and then you have to like put everything back on the shelf, you know, and a couple of things got broken. You may glue them together, but the little pieces of it that are still out can never be put in. So it looks exactly like it did before. Um, you know, he's, I've learned a lot of my, about myself and how I feel about things in dealing with this with my dad. Does that, is yeah. that too much or is that okay? <laughs> no, I, I just want to thank you for being so articulate. You seem like you have a lot of self-insight and just for being vulnerable. Thank you, Sarah. 
And then I have a timing question to ask you. So was it 2021 when you found out this information about your dad? Was it 2020? You said a couple of years ago. 2021. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you had a chance to meet the other family member? We have actually talked on Facebook. We video chatted and um, and it was... Is it, it? It was mind blowing. I, I he looks more like my dad than my brother I grew up with, mm. and um, so it's really strange to see him. And I had to kind of put that on the back burner for a while because I found myself always thinking about the time frame of when this happened and what was happening in my life and what my dad was doing and how my dad was acting and how my mom was and trying to, I was trying to detective, be a detective in my brain and in my mind. And I had, it was take, it was just too much for me. So I, the only way I could pause that was to kind of stop the communication with him for a bit. Mm-hmm. Have a, to have a healthy little wall, a little boundary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, you came to the right podcast for detective work. <laughs> um, so I guess, wow, that's a the family section. <laughs> I always love it. Every time we interview someone, you never know where the little, like, very interesting pieces are going to be. Um, yeah. In everyone's life story, there's, like, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we come down here with to learn all kinds of lessons, you know, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. And then, of course, the astrologers would say all these little things are showing up in your chart and they can read your life story like a book. <laughs> so these two are reading along as you're telling your story. Um, <laughs> and if there's no more in family, we're going to move on to work. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's kind of hear a little bit about what you do or what you have done and what you're good at in the line of work. Keywords for the lover's work. Travel. Adventure. Foreign connections, sharp objects, wisdom. Key words for the boss's work. Working from home or with family, ancestry, alternative medicine, healer, creativity, high-level planning, insecurity, or wounding around work. Okay. So I I started out in college thinking I wanted to teach journalism and um, radio television type thing, you know, more on the journalism side. And then I went and saw Children of a Lesser God and changed my entire major. Um, and so I became a deaf ed teacher major. And then I got married and stayed home. So I spent most of my life working as a teacher here and there. I thought I, I wanted to be a teacher because I like kids, but it turned out I like my kids, not everybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. I do like kids. I'm just, you know, but I didn't want to be with them 40 hours a week. Um, Sounds awful. And so uh, I stayed home and homeschooled my kids, uh, my, my younger ones. And I also did direct sales. So in doing direct sales, I did really well. I drove a car with three different companies, did that for a number of years and um, also got my master's in marriage and family therapy. Loved it. That's kind of who I am naturally. Uh, I I just, I love it. And so 
but I was still homeschooling. So I did not want to stop that. So I never took my, I made a 4-0 again. See, I was sandwiched a really good school. Then I had crappy years and then I did really good in, in my master's program. Um, so put that on the back burner for a little while. And then I came across human design. Um, Ooh. and yes, <laughs> is this how you found the podcast by the way? Cause, uh, you did respond to a post that Sarah made. Yes. I think that's where I did find it. And so I, um, came and across by the, uh-huh. and by the way, don't reveal that either because I've peeked at that. <laughs> oh, okay. Don't reveal what, what I am. You mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I won't talk about my type profile or anything like that, but what happened was I, in college, dated a guy whose sister worked with Ra, who is the downloader for, and so um, very world-renowned, well-known. And so I, 10 years, a, a number of years ago, I got my human design read by her, but I'm a Christian. So at 10 years ago, I thought, well, wait a minute, is this okay with God or not? Like, what's the deal here? I don't know that it's okay. So I threw away my recording and I threw away my books and I threw away my chart, but I stayed on her email. Time went by. I kept seeing her email, seeing her emails, and she had a free week webinar. And I got on it after a while, number of years, got on it. And I told my husband, this is too accurate. This is too accurate to be something that's not okay. And all they do is, all you do is help people with this. How can this be wrong? So I was at a different point as in a, as my, for myself in not feeling like I needed man's approval on what was okay. And so I was also <laughs> at that time really struggled. That was when everything was happening with my dad. And so I took a self-cation to Colorado and I stayed at an Airbnb and it had a labyrinth outside. And it said, there's a labyrinth for meditation at this Airbnb, which happened to be called the sanctuary. And so I stayed there for four days by myself and I went there totally expecting to hear from God about what direction I was supposed to take. Because I was leaving direct sales and I knew that serving people somehow was what I was supposed to do, but I really just wasn't sure. And I was coming across all these things, which also, by the way, my grandmother um, didn't speak English. She was Spanish speaking, but she was a spiritual healer and she had a spiritual church um, until she was in her 90s and passed away. So it was in, it's in my bloodline, right? So I went to this, I spent the time in Colorado. The last night I was there, I, I read a book about the labyrinth while I was there because I really didn't know what it was. It was a coffee table book. And I had, long story short, I had a mystical experience in the middle of the labyrinth. And it was absolutely amazing. I completely forgot that I was in Colorado on earth. And I had four specific scenes as if you were watching a movie and it was like those little old viewfinders where it switched from one scene to the next one and then from one scene to the next one and I had four different times that this happened but the first one the first scene was me actually getting to talk to God and asking him about all of this and so I said to him 
how do I know what's okay with you and what's not? And I'm tired of finding out from man. I want to know directly from you what is okay and what is not okay. And not audible like in my ears, but louder than when you're thinking of a conversation. It was even louder than that. So it was real inside my head, if that makes any sense. He said, trust the me and you. You already know what is okay and what's not okay. Trust the me and you. And I said, how do I know if it's me thinking it or if it's you? How am I going to know? And so I had had an experience in the mountains reading the book where I heard the wind go through the leaves and it sounded like a freight train the day before. And I thought, what is this noise? Because I'd never experienced it before. And he reminded me in that conversation, he said, I was with you in the wind yesterday in the trees. And that just blew my mind because I knew that was not my thought because I would, I mean, it was completely somebody else telling me this. So in that, it really put me back onto the path. Uh, and, and that's how I wound up now where I'm at, which is a level four certified in human design, um, in tapping. I am gotten certified in energy healing in clearing DNA and epigenetics and things. It's just put me on a totally different path. So now I am a transformational holistic coach and that's what I do now. And that's how I wound up there. Wow. You just blew my mind. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was getting emotional when you're talking about the wind. <laughs> oh yeah. It was yeah. amazing. That whole, that was amazing. <laughs> Wow. How cool. I'm, we meet the coolest people on this podcast. It makes me so happy. <laughs> well, I will. I mean, we definitely, I will say, Sarah, you posted in some groups that you're already a member of. So we do tend to meet people that have some of your shared interests. That's true. But like, it's still, you know, I, I posted in a lot of different things. I posted in a group for models and actors and podcasters. So you never, I never know who this is going to be. So it's exciting. And I don't either, because I don't think we, not many of the yeah. respondents say, hey, I'm responding to the post that was in this group. So it, was, it is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested. You said that you got uh, certified as a marriage and family therapist, and then now working in human design, and I guess that's sort of an offset of astrology, right? Sort of, or they're related. No, okay. Sorry, I'm seeing heads nodding. No, no. Human de human design and astrology are adjacent. I mean, human design it, it encapsulates astrology, the I Ching, a couple of things. The Kabbalah. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I'm curious um, with the psychology training, where you see the crossover between those two areas, which oh a lot God. of times yeah. seem to be separate, but are serving the same kind of. Um, I don't want to say purpose necessarily. They're coming from two different areas to try and help people with coaching and therapy. Yeah. You know, one of the things, Scott, that's so amazing is that more therapists are incorporating human design in their practice. And so it's, you know, they use the Enneagram and they use things like that, but human design, it's like getting a, a X-ray of your soul of your, of your soul and, and, and your energy. And so that's not up for one of the things I love about it. And the reason that it can get married so well is that it can't be changed. So if you take an assessment, you know, if you've ever taken like a Myers-Briggs or a disc or anything like that, I know that when I take it, it's like, well, do I do this? 
or do I do I do this or which one do I do? You know, you have that whole you're not really sure. Well, with human design, it's not up to you. Like you just give your your birthday, your time, your place and all that information and there is nothing you can do to affect the outcome of that chart. Nothing. So to me, it's one of the truest forms of getting the, that information about how you energetically interact with the world than any other assessment there is out there. Well, it's interesting that you put it that way. I mean, on this show, that's what we're doing. We're giving them two birth charts. Normally, you only get one birth chart. And of course, you look at your birth chart and you say, oh, well, this one fits me. Um, and then when you have two, suddenly you have the same, you have options, like you were saying with the Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Let's say Myers-Briggs just gave you one assessment that was specific to you, but it just said, this is yours no matter what. You don't have to answer any questions, but you're automatically an INTJ or an EM, whatever. Right. Do you think it would have a similar effect? I'm setting myself up for a no, but I'm just curious <laughs> if, if, you've ever, if you've ever thought about them in those terms. Well, it would have to... It would have to be not based on you assessing yourself. Like, you would have to not be assessing yourself, right? So, like, even with astrology, if you get the right time, I'm guessing, and stuff, this is the chart you have, whether it's, like, um, side reel or the other one. I'm not sure because I'm not an astrology person. But so it it can't be. Like, because it is based on questions you have to answer, it's almost like, how can you really see yourself from the outside the way other people see you? You can't. You can only do it so much, right? And then, and you can't do it. But with human design, it's not based on any of that. It is only based on the time and then this is it. And the way that people react to it and the way that it resonates with them and the validation they feel of this is, yes, this is how I am. Yes, this is how I feel. Finally, somebody understands me. And they they almost think you're psychic. And I have to tell people, this has nothing to do with that. I am simply telling you what your chart says and the validation that they get. So it's a very different thing. It, it, and that's what's so hard about explaining it to people is that there's not anything really like that. Um so it's difficult. Does, does well, you, that... you like the power being taken out of your hands and just, you know, this is who you are. This is your wow. chart no matter what. You don't have to answer a question where maybe you got the question wrong and you're not actually that way. It's just well, like delivered. Well, go ahead, Sarah. Yeah. I just want to interject. Um, I totally agree with everything you said. I think with human design, it gives you a set of instructions to live your life in a more... Um, high vibe, easy way. So you don't have to take it at face value, but if you if you start living your life by the instructions it gives you and you get better results, then why not just, you know, and I think that's what convinced me of it, you know. Or you and use and even Sarah, like taking that, like you can look back when you get this, when you finally do get a chart, when you're at that point where you are find out about it, you look back at your life and you can go, oh my gosh, yes, I've seen where I've lived this particular um, expression in a high vibration, and I've seen that happen, but I've also seen where I've lived it in the low expression, and I've experienced both. And now I can make the decision to start 
making, put, have more control myself to start living and expressing this part of me in the high vibration, in the high expression versus the low expression. So it starts actually making you feel like you're more in the driver's seat of your life as opposed to the passenger seat. Well, the only thing I really want to interject here is astrology's within the fields is very similar that way. So for example, um, I'm trained as a psychological astrologer, Carl Jung, you know, as in one of the masters of psychology, used charts with every single one of his clients. The difference I would see in, and when I do readings, and I synthesize many backgrounds and techniques, we have that same feeling of people really getting themselves. But the difference would be, I would say, beyond that they've combined these things, is that in human design, they give you a strategy. I when you were describing higher and lower, that's very like evolutionary astrology where they talk about there's different expressions of each sign. Mm -hmm. And I only, as the astrologer here, just need feel the need to kind of defend that, wait a second, in astrology, this happens as well. Well, I, I, I I, I agree with that. I think astrology is just so much more complex and it's harder for a person to just pick it up and learn your chart and be like, oh, that's so, so me. You kind of have to go to an astrologer or you have to spend a long time learning it yourself. But I mean, we love astrology here. And I think, and I think it's true of human design because I have had my chart done and I have not to the level that you have, I have studied it. I, I think there are similarities between the systems, but even within astrology, there's also, and this is, as far as I know, not as true within human design, but it's younger, way younger than astrology. There are all sorts of disciplines within the astrological field. And what happens when people don't know astrology, they associate it with horoscopes or just predictive work where there are all these other layers as well. Yes. And I, I agree with both of you. You know, what Sarah said is that it's so much more complicated. Like, I I think I just bought an astrology book at Books A Million today on my way over here, like a little book, because it, it, it's interesting, but there are so there's, it's so much that you do have to go to somebody. And that's the reason I'm here, right? Because I saw that and I thought, okay, I just don't know anything about this. And if somebody's going to like tell me something, I want to know, you know, more. So it's, they're both, and that's why human design, part of human design and what makes it up is astrology, the I Ching, the Kabbalah, the chakra system, you know, those are all parts of it. And so there's no way that it could, it could exist because we do have the way the different planets and the way the sun affect they all affect they're in the human design chart yeah no so, i'm familiar with that yeah yeah it's all part of it so yeah i mean well and and what i would say and the other thing is the human design chart is also cast with the same information that a birth chart is cast with for people that do not know time place and where and location yeah. so they are even though there are different techniques in actually casting the material the chart is still cast with that same basic information Yeah. It's like a Rubik's cube. You know, one part, some people are the orange side, some people are the white side. It's not anything different. It's all part of the Rubik's cube. Mm -hmm. Bring us back. Bring us back. (laughs) Sorry. We got excited. (laughs) 
We'll have to have Sylvie on the debrief episode to <laughs> to talk human design with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sylvia, tell us about your romantic partners. <laughs> okay. now, you, now, you said you were married, so I think this is more having to do with your husband. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about him? Keywords for the lover's romantic partner. Intense, sudden changes, spiritual, private, detail-oriented, clean, humble, very attractive. Keywords for the boss's romantic partner. Strong attachment, wise, adventurous, social, big goals. Yeah, so my husband um, is was in the military and he's a dentist. Um, we met in a dating service. So uh, that was really exciting and interesting. Um, I picked him, and I actually he was I I was his first girlfriend, and so um, and I had a daughter when we met. So he's just he's very uh, he's helped me grow a lot because he is somebody that forgives easily, and. I wasn't. And so he's really helped me grow in that area. He's super faithful, very, you know, just family. He's like my dad. He doesn't go out with the guys or anything like that. He's all about the family. So we're always together. He's my best friend and um, truly my best friend. And so, you know, I mean, there's. Can I, can I ask, did, did you have any other marriages prior to him? I did. I was okay. married. Mm-hmm. My daughter's, my oldest daughter's dad. And so we were married for about five years and it was awful. He's a narcissist, um, truly like diagnosed and, uh, very controlling, controlling with money, uh, not emotionally available person, complete opposite of my husband. So once I, I was out of that, I knew everything I didn't want and everything I did want, which was the opposite. And so I truly did get the complete opposite with my husband than my ex-husband. What do you like when you, I mean, you, you, you've spoken about both men. What were you like in the falling in, and I get they're very different men, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in the falling in love process, what are you like when you're in love? Uh, It's, it's a very, a lot. Like it's, um, you're all the way in. I'm all the way in. Yes. All the way in. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but I never really fell in love with my first husband. That was a rebound relationship from somebody I had been really in love with um, prior, which is the lady who teaches human design, some brother. Mm-hmm. And so it was taking me years and years and years um, to get over that. Even through my first marriage, I was still getting over that. So it was very much a rebound, um, rebound relationship. Yeah. And I thought he is more stable. He's, he's all, you know, he's all these things that will help me not be so, you know, excited. And I thought that it would help me become more grounded, I guess is the best way to put it. And, uh, yeah, he like was super, super grounding. I felt like I couldn't breathe, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Did that answer your question, Mindy? Yeah. It, yeah. It, thank you. It was really helpful for me. Okay. 
Right. And last but not least of the categories, we have challenges. Um, this is maybe areas of life where you've encountered some challenges. Um, or what did, what did Sarah, you said it last time. I, I believe, yeah, it's just where you feel like you've had themes. resistance, where you've yeah. encountered resistance. That's the word you let. And I think on time. your survey, you put uh, friends, things like that. Keywords for the lover's challenges. Career. Keywords for the boss's challenges. Higher education, foreign travel, world view, religion, astrology, issues with authority. Yeah, that's funny because that's what popped up right now again uh, without seeing the survey or anything. It's it's really with um, other women. So... I, now, I had some energy work done in the last year, clearing out some different things that were ancestral, and it made a difference for me, and then it made a difference for my daughter uh, with her friends. Like, it cleared it for both of us at the same time, which is what sold me on energy clearing completely, the seeing that difference happen. But throughout my life, it has been what I was talking about earlier, where I would um, become friends with people, and then all of a sudden... Nothing had happened, no fight, no nothing. And then all of a sudden they were, went cold with me and like stopped even communicating sometimes. Uh, in the direct sales arena, I would have people that were become flat out mean, like toxic and mean. And I would ask the people that were close to me, what happened? Did you see, did I do anything? And they would be like, no, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why that happened. So those, those have been my biggest challenges is, um, not understanding. I, I really hadn't experienced it very much in the last year, year and a half until I actually like recently went to a women's conference. I was, I didn't know anybody going there and I met a lady um, who was a sound healer. And so it was 500 entrepreneurs of all kinds, you know, insurance, things like that. And so I thought, oh, I found one of my people, you know, so to speak. And so um, she was really friendly the first day and we didn't spend a whole bunch of time each other, but we would see each other around. And I had other people, you know, I, I had a lot of different people coming up and talking with me, but throughout the four or five days, she got less and less friendly with mm -hmm. me. And I, again, there was no reason for it. I wasn't like talking with her a whole bunch or, you know, there was nothing that I could explain um, why she, she, she became that way. But that's the only time I've had it in the last year, year and a half um, right. happen. So sounds weird, right? I sound like y'all are probably going, why do people not, why are people treat her like that? What is she not telling us? It's, no, we look at your honest. chart. We understand. <laughs> the two charts we have and listening to you. Okay. Yeah. So maybe after this, are y'all going to explain to me why? <laughs> sure. Okay. Assu good. Assuming <laughs> they get it right. No, regardless of which chart they, they guess and whether it's right or not, we'll still look at the right chart and uh, tell you a little bit about it. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, a little recap. All right. But um, yeah, it is interesting looking at the survey. Uh, a lot of times people put on the spectrum one to 10, you know, they'll either be down towards a one or down up towards a 10. And you are a little more in the middle zone than a lot of people. And, and related to what you're talking about, uh, rate your level of comfort with social situations where you don't know anyone. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like a six is kind of like, you're not uncomfortable, but you're not like, oh, I need to talk to everyone. Yes. So that, yep. that sort of relates that, yeah, to what you were saying, I thought. Yeah. Like I went to that conference. I didn't know anyone. It was a conference for four days, 500 women. And I went by myself. I'm like, okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess the personality, like you mentioned your character at the beginning of being like, no filters. I just like what you see is what you get. In a social situation, I don't know. How does that become less comfortable? How does that become uh, intimidating? Um, intimidating to me? Right. Like, well, what oh. would make that social situation be a little lower? You know, by like like a six versus an eight or a nine, um, when you're just kind of entering the room with like, hey, I am who I am. Um, I'm not hiding anything. Is it vulnerability? Like you're afraid that they're going to get to see you because you can't really hide who you are? Or how does that work? How are you processing that is my curious thought. Well, when I go somewhere like I did there, it's actually more comfortable because nobody knows me. So I'm just who I am. You know, Uh, when I start interacting with people and I'm who I am, what scares, this sounds really weird. What's, what makes me nervous is when people really like me. That makes me nervous. When people start getting to know me, they really like me. I'm like, and I think that has to do more with my experience of people that have been nice and then all of a sudden turn cold. And so, because I've had so much of that experience, it's like, oh gosh, Look, if you didn't like me so much, I would feel okay because we can only go up from here. <laughs> but you like me so much, and now I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, what's going to happen? Is it going to be the experiences I've been having my whole life? Does that That's that's the uncomfortableness in those situations mm-hmm. going into that. Interesting, yeah. The fear of, uh, like, making a very close friend and then losing them. Yeah. Versus, tis better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all, though, right? <laughs> to have well, that's the close what they friend say. <laughs> and then have them leave you. <laughs> that's what they say, but that hurts a lot, let me just tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we grow from our wounds, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are the astrologers doing? Are you guys feeling uh, like you need? You can ask some more questions? I feel good. Do you have any questions, Mindy? I feel, I feel good as well. I mean, we can, (laughs) I'm sure we can sit and ask more questions and, but I, you've been so um, open. It's really been helpful. Yeah. Best guests on this podcast, I swear. (laughs) Um, Well, what we're going to do is we're going to let the astrologers kind of chat about it um, in their own little room or uh, with themselves. So, Um, I'm actually going to put you back out in the waiting room, if you don't mind. Okay. And then we're going to pull you in in about 10 minutes, I think. Uh, and then they're going to make their big, their big reveal. Oh, how exciting. This is so fun. Okay, good, good. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, enjoy the little break and we'll see you in a bit. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Astro detectives. (laughs) You've got your case files. We've just interrogated the, I don't want to say suspect. Witness? Yeah, witness. Eh. Are they the suspect? I probably like the term suspect because she kept talking about being a detective. There you yeah, go. She's mentioned that she said yeah. she could probably work for the FBI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Profiling people. 
Um, I guess before this discussion, I always like to see if you guys are on the same page at all. Um, where y'all lean in in terms of the two personalities, the lover or the boss? I'm uh, leaning towards the boss. I hope Mindy is too. I'm, I'm still there. I did start questioning that when yeah. she was talking with a couple things, but I'm leaning that way as well. Okay. Yeah. I only had a couple of things too that I was like, well, could be, but most things I felt were descriptive of the boss. Well, well and we, we may not even I, need a little chat, but if you guys want to talk about some placements and stuff. <laughs> there, well, um, it, yeah. It, it, when she said she was, the boss has Venus and Scorpio conjunct Neptune. And the reason I asked how she was in relation in her relationships, and she talked about being all in and not being able to let go. And Scorpio, one, they feel things very, very deeply, which is where this person's moon is also. But it's hard I'm gonna, to get over I'm going to quickly hey, exit just so, I, yeah. just so I don't hear any uh, specific <laughs> astrology stuff. And then we'll stuff. talk. <laughs> yeah, you guys have fun. Just wave me back when you're ready. Okay. All right. Yeah, so we are... You were talking about her Venus, Neptune, and Scorpio? And that she also was a Scorpio moon. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, me being a Scorpio moon, I related to a lot of things she was saying. I mean, she said a lot of Scorpio words, too. I mean, not having a poker face, doesn't like chit-chat. She talked about, uh, you know, she used the word manipulative to at one point to describe her mother, which could be the shadow side of Scorpio. Um, the FBI, you know, all that kind of made me think of the. And then when she, she was talking so much about boundaries, which is such a, a Capricorn theme. Right. Well, and where the the boundaries were actually what kind of had me questioning because the other chart has moon Saturn and Saturn right. makes walls and creates boundaries. Right. And that's when I questioned that, but Scorpio's. She said they either like me or they don't, or they just disappear. Scorpio moon, let alone Venus, can experience abandonment, like emotionally, like people have just disappeared. The other thing is when I asked about when the DNA thing had happened yeah, with her dad, even right. though we're talking about the moon here, in 2021, both Uranus and Saturn were impacting that Scorpio moon. Oh, and um, Saturn was in those early degrees of Aquarius, and Uranus was opposite it in Taurus. Right. At that, and you know, Uranus brings things that are shocking in, that are unexpected in, that in this case kind of rattled her sense of security. Right. Right. Um, you know, and she talked about her brother, this is just kind of a minor thing, but when she was talking about her brother kind of maybe being in his shadow a little bit, I noticed that um, in the boss's chart, we have Leo there on the third house, mm -hmm. which um, made sense. And then her dad being a man, kind of like idealizing men that felt more uh, Capricorn than Libra. Um, right. Those, and 
we go to the fourth house, which sometimes can be seen as the father. Yeah. You've got Jupiter there, which can, again, seen as her idolizing her father, as well as um, when she talked about, again, there's the Pluto Uranus in the fourth also, when she talked about the shocking thing happening that rattled her foundation, let alone even when she was talking about healing and she was talking about going back generations, the fourth house can be lineages and generations but even the burrito wrap memory could have been the other chart is what i thought i almost asked her about the burrito wrap how she felt about being wrapped like a burrito it seemed like she had a lot of good memories of childhood or that it was very family oriented and i noticed that the boss this chart has jupiter exact the ic yeah um, even though it's retrograde but i felt like that and then i think she said i may have misheard but i thought she said she met one of her husbands through her sister, which the ruler of the seventh being in the fourth. Right. Um, right. Well, and, and Sarah compliments on the keywords. Oh, thank you. I say that, say that on, I was thinking about that when she was talking, when you spoke about childhood experiences and you said religion organization, and she was talking about her father being religious and her childhood and how important that was. And I thought, okay, let's mark one for Sarah on oh. the thing. Oh, that means so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I just oh, saw no. that. I was like that Jupiter is on an angle. It has got to be like a big part of her childhood. So, and we know Jupiter and Sagittarius has rules religion. <laughs> Right. And when you had reminded me what I said last night about this need, even getting the degree in family and well, when she started out, when her major switched and she was working with hearing impaired people, that was if we go to the sixth house again, that moon and Venus and Neptune is in the sixth house um, and in the survey. When she talked about giving sentimental gifts, even though I know the gifts can be the fifth house, again, they can also be Venus. And you've got Venus, Neptune. So there's all that sentimentality, possibly. Now, I may have completely talked myself into this. And yeah, <laughs> Pat knows our proclivities there. He could be going, <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. The only thing for me that was kind of making me look at um, the lover's chart is that I wrote down is just that she said that music and songs and the record store were a big part yep. of her youth and the lover's chart has Pisces rising. So I just thought, Oh, that's interesting. But for the most part, I really felt, yeah, like the boss really lined up really well. Right. Well, and when you just, you said the same thing, um, not only um, with the Pisces, but again, the IC, um, no, the I see's in Gemini, though. Ah, there I am blurring my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that Pisces, yeah. But I did the same thing with the music. That made me question as well. And then when she kept saying boundaries, boundaries, boundaries with her mother, and you had Saturn Moon sitting there. But other than that, I was really in the boss. Right. Okay. All right. Well, let's bring Scott back in. Okay. How did everything go? Good. Good, good, good. 
Um, we still where we're at? We Are we still where we're at? It, do I have time for like a 60 second bathroom break? <laughs> yeah, well, let's do that right after commercial. We're going to oh. come right back with our guest. <laughs> It sounds like uh, it sounds like the astrologers are ready, and they had so much excitement that they're ready to go to the bathroom too. I forgot we were recording. <laughs> this is see a real like a professional podcast that wants to hide things from the listener. They would edit all that out. They would say, "Oh, take two. but no, we keep well, everything in because we're open with you guys. It's only sixty seconds, not five minutes. So. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to, it sounds like you guys still have your same decisions and we're going to be back right after this with our guest and with the conclusion of the show. Welcome back listeners. We are here with our astrologers. We have our guest Sylvia back with us Hi, and, everybody. <laughs> and are ready to see if astrology pointed them in the right direction. Mm. Um, Earlier, you guys were leaning towards one of the two charts, and it sounded like you were in agreement before and after your meeting. Um, I, yeah, I think so. Do we, we want to kind of reveal the two character types that you draw drew up before we even met Sylvia based on just the charts alone? Sure. We had the boss and the lover. <laughs> and the boss was someone who definitely would be business oriented, which I thought it was interesting that you said you were, I'm a family person, but a lot of people see you as maybe business oriented. It sounded like you were saying, mm -hmm. um, and something that struck me, both of us, I guess, is religion being a big part of your family or childhood. Is uh -huh. that accurate? Okay. Yep. Um, so those are a few things that stuck out for us. And then the lover, um, yeah, there was maybe a tiny bit of overlap with the, what was going on with the moon, but the lover we thought would be someone a little bit more wrapped up in other people. Um, maybe, uh, hmm. Yeah. A little more diplomatic and not that you aren't diplomatic, but I guess maybe to a fault <laughs> kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I, we feel like, we feel like you might be the boss. <laughs> the boss. So tell me, what is that? Like, tell me, tell me about that. What does that mean? <laughs> what the, what the boss's character is. Yeah. But we don't know for sure if you are the boss yet. So we don't oh, know how okay. many details you want to hear Oh, but, okay. Okay. Let's wait and find out who I am. <laughs> Sarah and Mindy are thinking you're the boss. Got um, it. Because the boss, and I'm just going off some character lines that Sarah wrote before even meeting you, is witty, social, wordsmith, science, in control, wanting to save others. Um, the lover character, before meeting you, self-image wounding, showy, loyal, and grew up fast. Um and for each of the, sorry, for each one of the kind of categories we were going through, there were two different groups of words for each one of those. And so they were following along. They have settled on the boss. Now, listeners have their charts at home, and they've, I'm sure they've been following along too, but we have one of the charts is, I'm going to say the two signs, and then you guys can ask her which one she is. 
One of these charts is a Capricorn and one is a Libra. Sarah, you want to ask our guest? Uh, Sylvia, are you a Capricorn? Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) I have a eighth house sun, as do you, and a Scorpio moon. So I felt some kinship with you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. So when we get to talk, you're going to have to tell me more about what that means. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, well, let's hear a little bit of it now. Can you share kind of that chart and how it matches up with Sylvia and what she can take from it? Um, Not a full, we're not doing readings here, but Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of what pointed you uh, to Sylvia and then, yeah, what, what she can kind of take from now that we know which chart is her chart. Yeah. Well, we felt like, um, you, you talked a lot of, you said a lot of Scorpio keywords and the other chart had, you know, Mercury and Neptune and Scorpio, but, um, with the moon and Scorpio and all of, you know, there was a few more placements in your chart. Um, you said so many Scorpio keywords, especially when you're talking about your relationship with your mother, um, or just how you, connect and relate with other people. You said you don't have a poker face. You don't do chit chat. Um, you know, you said you might be able to work for the FBI cause you can read people. That's, those are very Scorpio traits. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. All the detective talk and then the boundary talk that, I mean, that's a very, um, Capricorn journey is, um, having a lot of boundaries, but learning to be a little bit more vulnerable or healthy with the boundaries, I guess. I'd say definitely a Capricorn word. And when you're talking about human design, your midheaven is in Pisces, um, which is very spiritually oriented work. Mm -hmm. Um, And the sun in the eighth house, a lot of people with eighth house suns do work in the occult or spiritual field. So, I mean, and there were a lot of other things. Was there anything that you wanted to add, Mindy? Well, the way you began describing yourself was you said, I'm a passionate person. Mm-hmm. And Scorpio is a very passionate sign. They're all in. And we live so much from our moons that, I mean, there were tons of things, but that was the thing that hit me right away when you just began talking and began sharing. Mm-hmm. Um and I, and I, you know, it's interesting, really good call, Sarah, on the Pisces Midheaven. Even when you spoke about first thinking you were going to go to school in journalism, then you ended up working with ASL kids. And Jimmy, you know I mean? there's that because Pisces, the Midheaven deals with who we are out in the world. It's career, but how we connect to the world. And Pisces is a very compassionate sign. And that just seemed to fit really beautifully. Mm-hmm. And you also have in Chiron in the 10th house, which may be how you're seen in the world, which kind of fit with your story about your dad and men in general and overcoming that. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, Chiron is the wounded healer, so it, it can't fully heal itself, but it can heal others in that area. And it's like you're healing other people, showing them who they are and... And their self-value. Uh-huh. Helping other people with their self-value is such a big it's a big mission for me personally. Right. Yeah. Well, and I want to add to that Chiron layer there because he's known as the wounded healer, but who Chiron was in myth 
that people forget about sometimes is he was the maker of heroes. He trained Hercules. He trained Jason of the Argonauts. He trained Achilles, not just as fighters, but in healing and alchemy and astrology. And so when you talk about how I really want them to be able to get themselves, that you're making a hero because if we look at Joseph Campbell's and the hero's journey, that's the sense of taking your place in the world and who you are. Awesome. I love that. Y'all are amazing. This is just, <laughs> this is just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. well, and how, I mean, I think it's great with you in human design. I don't want you to think I'm in any way anti that, but I think you do, you go down a rabbit hole and then you begin studying and discover more and more and more things that, that link in to the sense of who you are and why you're here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Very cool. Wow. Well, that's another uh, case in the books, everybody. Um, we really appreciate you, Sylvia, for coming on and yes. answering all of our questions. And um, if, you're, if your family does listen to this, they might have some uh, revelations of their own. Yeah, they might. I think I'm going to hide this from them. <laughs> That's scorpionic, too. <laughs> if, That's if true. You, if you don't know how to bring up the subject with them of, you know, the new family member, especially, yeah. you can just say, instead of having to have that conversation, you can just say, hey, I was on this podcast. Um, hey, y'all I hear, might want to hear it. <laughs> give it a listen. Yeah. <laughs> Call yeah. me after afterwards with your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, that's it, everyone. Let us know what you thought by commenting on whatever platform you follow us on. Links to our accounts are in the show notes. If you like the show and want to support it, you can visit patreon.com slash Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss the next episode. Rate and review and tell your friends. Seriously, tell your friends. And until next week, this case is closed. (laughs) 